Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. We will be concluding verse 3 today. Hallelujah. And uh, let me just bring us all up to speed. I'm reading, uh, I'll read just a few selected verses. 1 John chapter 3, let me begin in verse 1, just the first part, where the Apostle John, remember again, said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. That's the basis from which all of this is coming. Amen. If we don't realize this, then all of this is going to be too difficult. Because as mere mortals, this is almost impossible to do. Are you all with me? Amen. And then he goes on to say, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. I'm in verse 2. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. That, now that, that's a revelation that we all need to get. Because otherwise we'll never go on to verse 3. If we don't have the revelation that we are, there is a place in our future where we are going to be exactly like him. I mean, all the stuff that he did. And remember again, he said, greater works than these shall you do. So, I mean, I'm just happy to do his works. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> okay. Walk on water, raise the dead, you know, just to name a few things, you know, calm storms. Uh, I'll be thrilled with that. But he said, that's not where it ends. He said, you will do greater works. Hallelujah. And remember again, this is the, the apostle that nobody could kill. And, you know, I think that is very significant that he is writing all of these things. And why we are taking so much time looking at them. Because, you know, like somebody once said, you know, it's better to know a little bit really well than a whole lot of nothing. Amen. So, you know, we might not get through all of this. So what? At least what you, what you got, you knew how to apply it in your life. You knew how to work it and you got the benefit of it. And I pray that you are getting the benefit. You know, just also remember this. It takes one word from God to change your whole life. It doesn't take the whole Bible. Amen. Just takes one word. And if one of these things just jump out at you and become a revelation in your heart, your life will change. I will guarantee you. Amen. All right. That's what I'm praying for for you guys anyway. All right. So again, let me just uh, uh, read verse 2 again. He says again, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We've been looking at what does it mean to be just as he is pure. (laughs) Okay, Because we all have our ideas of purity, don't we? But what's God's idea of purity? Now, we said that the best example of this, or one of the best examples, I should say, of this was found in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Remember when the, uh, the, the Lord was teaching his disciples and he was shocking them left, right, and center. He shocked them first by saying in Matthew 5, 20, remember there are three chapters on the Sermon on the Mount. In chapter 5, he says in verse 24, I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. I just know their jaws drop right then. Because they, you know, the Pharisees and Sadducees were the most holy dudes around. You know what I'm trying to say? And they're looking, Jesus is saying, you, your righteousness has to exceed, not become as good as them. He said it has to exceed theirs. And I just know that the disciples are going, well, I don't know if we can do that. Especially, you know, Peter, he's going, I got a lot of things in my background. A lot of skeletons. And then the sons of thunder, James and John, you know. I mean, they're just like, <laughs> we just punched one guy out last week, you know. <laughs> okay. No, they probably didn't. I'm just making this up. But I, I want you to understand that 
These are normal people. This is like you and me. Don't ever, you know, I know there are paintings out there where we have, you know, Peter, James, and little circles over their head and the little saintly things. They weren't. Oh, I tell you, they could swear with the best of them. Remember when Peter, after Jesus was with him, where, you know, when Jesus was taken to be crucified, he was swearing. You know, somebody asked him, weren't you with there? And he started to swear just to make a point that somebody with Jesus would never swear like this. Hello. Are you all with me? So when you see those little circles, take them off. They don't belong there. You know why? Because they were just as human as we are. And they still made it. So can we. Amen? Amen. All right, so... He goes on to talk about, first of all, and I'm just going to race through this until we get to where we left off. The first thing, remember he said in verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders shall be in danger of judgment. And then verse 22, he says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, I mean, Matthew 5, 22, with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. I'm not going to go any further. So he said, look, you've heard this, but I'm telling you this. So they're going, wow, okay, that, that's, that's a little hard. Then he goes to verse 27, and he says, You've heard it was said of those of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, couldn't he change it again? He said that whoever looks at a woman to lust, remember, not just looking, but the lusting part, okay? All right. <laughs> For her as, uh, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And then he goes on to say, verse 43, You have heard it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. I'm sure they were going, oh, please don't wreck that one. We're good with that one. We like to love our friends and hate our enemies. And he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. And that's the reason why I brought up Peter, James, and John. You know, <laughs> sons of thunder and Pete. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. <laughs> but he says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who sp- uh, spitefully use you and persecute you. This would have been very hard for them to hear. And as hard as this is now, okay. Jesus is, then goes on to talk and warn us about doing the right thing for all the wrong reasons. So, you know, just when you think, I just reckon they thought it couldn't get any worse. They're sweating beads of blood. <laughs> you know? And thinking, don't say anything. Can we just cut this sermon short today? Let's take up an offering and go home. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? Jesus hasn't finished. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is one of the, the longest sermons that he ministered. One of them, okay? And that's why it goes for three chapters. They actually had to divide it up into three chapters because there was so much in there. And so let's jump to, ver- uh, to chapter six very quickly because this is where we started looking at doing right things now for the wrong reasons. Amen? So after you figure out what the right thing to do is, now, now make sure that you do it for the right reason. Are you all with me? So he, remember again, we looked first at Matthew 6, 1, where he said, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men. Can I just say this? A charitable deed is one that has no strings attached to it. That's why it's charity. Okay? Charitable deed. You know, when you give to charity, you don't expect anything back. Maybe a receipt, but that's it. <laughs> you know? You don't expect that charity to give you money back. Are you all with me? So when we talk about charitable deeds, these are things that you do that have no strings attached to them. And you and people... That's why this is so difficult. Jesus didn't say, when you do a good deed, he said, when you do a charitable deed. So he is going to start dealing with things that are, can I put in quotes, inherently good. That you, you know, people wouldn't ever think badly of somebody that did a charitable deed. Can I get an amen on that? Okay, because we'd all look and go, oh, that is a, that is a holy person. 
That is a good person. Except Jesus is saying, okay, you know what? Let me just say this. You can get to the place where after a while, once you train yourself to do what is right, you will do what is right as a habit. Praise God. Okay, just like you can go do bad things, good things work the same way, by the way. All right, it's all the same rules. That you can get into the habit of doing good things. The next danger that you have to watch out for is in your doing good. See, because something very interesting happens. Once you start doing good, you start to find out that people actually like you. They get to actually want, they want to hang around you because you're doing good things. Are you all with me? And that can be a thing as well. <laughs> okay. And he's saying the next thing to watch out for is when you're doing your good deeds, be careful that you don't get caught up in your good deeds. That you're not going, because in your mind, you're sort of thinking, Oh, well, you know, they all expect me to do the right thing. So I'm going to do the right thing. You're not saying, God, I'm doing this as unto you. The problem is when you start doing good things for other people, then you expect them to pay you back. Did you get what I just said? And this is the thing we have to guard against. Amen? Now, remember again, I'm talking about charitable deeds. I'm not talking about business. <laughs> okay? In business, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. There's a thing out there, and it works that way. That's how it works. You know, each person, according to their gifts, does things, and they say, well, you're good at that, I'm good at that. How, do, how about we join together and we can, you know, do better? together. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about charitable deeds. Are we all on the same page? I'm talking about those things that you do that you don't, you know, you're not looking for anything back. Everybody sees you, they admire you, and you start, you know, I guess getting a little caught up in their admiration of you. (laughs) Okay? So, So Jesus is saying you need to guard against that. You know, and let me just say, I'm praying that that's the crowd I'm talking to right now. I'm praying that you are the crowd that does the right thing. So I'm going to pray that you now hear this and receive this so that you can walk this fine line so that all your good deeds are blessed and rewarded by God. Amen? Amen. All right. So where was I? So again, he says here, take heed that you do not let your charitable deeds before men, excuse me, that you uh, do to do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, he says, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Again, this answers the question of people who say, well, I've been giving for years and I got nothing back. Be careful why you're doing it. Amen? Okay, we, we thank you for it, but we want you to be blessed. We don't want to rip you off. <laughs> okay, so that's why we're teaching you this. And verse 2, he says, therefore, when, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have the glory of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Remember, we looked at that before. He says, listen, if that's what they're looking for, that's all the reward they're ever going to get. Let's move on. we got to get to today. He says, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let, I mean, Matthew 6, 3, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, that your charitable deed may be done in secret, or may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Isn't it wonderful that whatever you do in secret, God rewards you openly. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's a paradox. You know what a paradox is? That's a paradox. If you want to be seen, you won't be seen. If you don't want to be seen, you'll be seen. There it is. Okay. All right. Verse, he goes to say in verse five, he says, and when you pray, you know, I told you this before. I reckon they said, when we pray, if we pray, you mean, okay. I'm sure some of those guys weren't praying. 
Are you praying every day? Don't put your hand up. Okay, all right. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, you just sort of, and, and watch what he says, man. He says, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I said to you, they have the reward. Again, doing something that is inherently good, which is praying. He says, you need to be careful about how you do that as well. So we move from giving, charitable giving to praying now, and he's saying, listen, he says, when you pray, I'm in verse 6, he says, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to, uh, to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret, again, will reward you openly. Interesting, isn't it? Again, we get the same thing. You do it in secret, you'll be rewarded openly. Amen. Amen. All right. We're up to, <laughs> we're up to this week now. You good? All right. Sorry, I had to race through all of that. So he, you know, he's come through all of this. He's told us two things that we would look at. And if we saw anybody giving charitably and also praying, we'd go, that is a spiritual dude. Okay, this is a very spiritual person. We would say that. I would say that. I don't know if you would say that. Okay, I would, I would think that's a spiritual person. That is a very good person. Okay. All right. So he's, he's saying, however, you need to do it with the right heart. No matter how it looks on the outside, be careful what's going on in the inside. And I said this before as well. You know, don't judge your life off other people. You might see people doing all these good things and then you think, how come bad things are happening to them? You don't know. See, I'm giving you some insight now. You don't know what was going on in their heart. They might have started out with the right heart, but somewhere got lost. So don't ever, ever look at somebody else's life. And say, well, they're doing all this good. I'm nowhere close to it. What makes me think that I can, I'll get any of my prayers answered if they aren't getting theirs? Please don't do that. I'm giving you wisdom today to help you to get past that. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's go to the last one. And that's in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16. He says, moreover, when you fast, <laughs> just thinking, thinking, no, not fasting. Give us a break. He says, do not be like the hypocrites. With a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Wow. So he's saying, listen, notice he said appear to be fasting. So we'll, we'll look at that in just a minute. In his commentary, William Henderson writes, The hypocrites, that is the scribes and Pharisees, put on a dismal look, making their faces unsightly, perhaps by covering them with ashes in order that to people around about them, they might, they might look oh so sorry for their sin. I, I am thinking, what sins are you so sorry for? You're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. <laughs> okay. Listen, hey man, they sinned, they were bad. You know, it's like that song, you know you're bad. We, we know it. We know you're bad, okay? The people knew it. You know, Matthew knew how bad they were. That's why when he saw Jesus, you know, going up against them, you know, and, and just clean, cleansing the temple and stuff, I reckon Matthew was, I, I reckon Matthew, the tax collector, he was saying, Jesus, if you ever ask me to go, I'll go. I reckon Jesus read that in when he came up to him and he said, follow me. And he goes, yeah, I'm coming. See you later. Bye. It left everything right then and there and, and went away. And isn't it interesting? He wrote the book of, the Gospel of Matthew. Praise God. All the, all the people, you know, of all people, the Jews would have turned their nose up at somebody like Matthew, a tax collector. Jesus didn't. Do you know why? He's always looking in the heart. Not what's going on on the outside, what's going on on the inside. And he really picked well on that one. Amen? You say, well, what about Judas? Yeah, you know, that tells us that God isn't willing to give up on anyone. Even if, even if you've decided you want to be bad and do wrong things, he still won't give up on you. 
Amen. Amen. Anyway, back to this. <clears throat> to this, Leon Morris adds, I love this. He adds something very significant. In fact, he says, they were more interested in appearing to fast than in the actual fasting itself. Amen. So the, he, they were more interested in, look, see, we're fasting. And they put ashes and they look, oh my goodness, I haven't eaten for weeks. Probably whipped out a, you know, a sausage roll and had one quick, oh, I haven't eaten. You know what I'm trying to say? People do all kind of weird things. It's all about the show. Let's continue. In other words, everything they did was for show. It had nothing to do with God, but everything to do with enhancing their performance and getting as much out of their fickle audience as possible. And when Jesus goes on to instruct his disciples, and by extension, all of us, okay? In verses 17 and 18, but when you fast, anoint your head. You all know what you anoint your head? Put on some cologne. Okay, smell good. Okay, don't smell terrible. All right, he says, anoint your head, wash your face, verse 18, Matthew 6, 18, so that you do not appear to be fasting, or you do not appear to men to be fasting. He's saying, don't ever look like you're doing it. Make sure they don't know that you're doing it. Now, there are some people that just pick it out. And just because they do, (laughs) I made this comment before, you know, uh, Pastor Verity, I'm going to pick on her for a minute, okay? Uh, Her mother, okay? It's amazing how you can try to hide something and she'll pick it out straight away. And you're thinking, how did you know? Now, don't get mad and go, well, she found out, so I'm not going to get a blessing. That won't happen. There are some people that will pick up on things. Just because they know doesn't mean that you lose your blessing. It's only if you advertise it, that's when you lose your blessing. Are you all with me? Amen. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, where was I? Let me read, let me read verse 18. He says, so you, that you know, do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your, to your father who is in, in the secret place. I, I love that he says this. Your father who is in the secret place. Your father isn't out in the open looking for you to fast. Your father is in the secret place. Are you all here? And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. There we go. Once again, we get that same blessing. You do something quietly and you get blessed in public. You do something publicly and you get nothing except your public. <laughs> okay? All right. In his commentary, Leon Morris says, Jesus implies that those who follow him will fast from time to time. But he says nothing about frequency, occasion, or method. Hallelujah. The Jews used to do it frequently and used to, you know, it was religion to them. But in our time, Jesus says, you do it when you, when you are led by the Spirit to do it. Are you all here? Okay. <clears throat> he is concerned only with the motive behind the fasting. In other words, as long as your heart is right, it doesn't really matter when and how you choose to fast. Okay? As I said before, being led by the Spirit again. So what we've seen here is that although most people would define purity as fasting, praying, and giving... Can I get an amen on that? You know, somebody doing that, that's what you think. Jesus shows us again that true purity before God is not about the outward acts, no matter how righteous they may be, but about the inward thoughts and motivations of the heart. Amen? In fact, the Apostle Paul goes as far as to say in 1 Corinthians 13, 3, he says, And although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. That's incredible when you think about it. Notice here that even if we were to give up our life, think about this, and in the most terrible way. You know, being burned is not a happy thing, okay? <laughs> right? If it is not done 
with the right motive. In this case, love, regardless of how people might perceive our sacrifice and want to honor us, we will have profited nothing in God's eyes. Do you all get that? We need to understand no matter how much we sacrifice for the sacrifice to mean something, it needs to have the right motivation behind it. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's why the Apostle James says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. And may I add, keep yourselves from doing the wrong things. Okay? You sinners and purify your hearts. That is, make sure that your hearts are right before God and your motives are pure. He says you double-minded. Do you understand why he says double-minded? Because some people have one eye on people and one eye on God. They want to do the right thing by God, but they also like people to be seeing when they're doing the right thing. We can't be like that. I know it's, temp- it, it's a great temptation to want that. You know, sometimes you almost want to say, God, I'm doing all this for you. Can't somebody see? <laughs> don't do that. I know it's hard, but don't do that. If they see you when you're not looking, that's a, that's a greater blessing. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, where was I? Interestingly, it is the Apostle James that actually describes what pure religion is in James chapter 1. When he addresses a group of wealthy individuals in his congregation who like to constantly advertise their successes. Okay, And he says to them in verses 26 and 27, he says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. Now, you need to understand this in context. The reason he's saying this is there were people in his congregation that were doing really well. All right, And they would say how well they were doing. In relation to them boasting about their successes, he says this. He says, if you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. Do you understand now what he's talking about when he says don't control your tongue? Okay, you're boasting about all your, your, you know, all the things that you've done. You are just fooling yourself and your religious, religion is worthless. Watch verse 27. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God, uh, our Father, means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles. Do you now get the, the, the link between, you know, the, uh, don't, if, if you don't control your tongue? If you're carrying on about how much money you're making and how rich you are, but you're not helping people. Now they're talking about widows and orphans because that's what the need was, but people in need. He said, if you're not helping them, all right, people in need, he says, and he says, then in the sight of God, your religion is worthless, basically. And then he defines it and says, pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care. All right, can I say for people who need it? All right, and refuse to let the world corrupt us. Because the world will corrupt you in the way that it says, hey, you made that money, you keep it. Are you all here? I heard this a long time ago and it has blessed me. And that was this. Somebody once said, the only wealth we get to keep is what we give away. Because you can't take it with you, see. When you give it away, then God blesses you and you have treasure in heaven. Okay. And just in case there were any intellectual arguments, you know how there's people who like to nitpick? You know how you say something, go, well, what if we did this? Or what if we, you know, what if we, you know, we didn't have it, blah, blah, blah. You know, all of those people? Or he, he just, this is a very, very smart pastor. He goes, I know some of you are going to come to me after this sermon. And you're going to sit down and go, well, let me tell you, pastor. You don't know what the world is really like. Let me tell you all the complications. So <laughs> he's very clever. He, so he deals with all of this in one swipe. He says in James chapter 4, verse 17, therefore... He says, to him who knows to do good and does not do it. To him, it is sin. 
<laughs> Did you get that? So you can come and convince me that, you know, you have a legitimate whatever, whatever. But if you know better, it's a sin. Just because you fool me doesn't mean you can fool God, is what he's saying. Amen? Amen. Okay. That's the standard of purity that the Apostle John points to in 1 John 3, 3, when he says that we are to be pure just as he is pure. Now, we're going to finish this, okay? Continuing on in his commentary on 1 John 3, 3, Thomas F. Johnson says that anyone who looks forward to a vision of Christ and therefore God, the result of which will be to become like him, okay, does not delay the process of transformation. In other words, you're not looking for reasons not to do this. You'll be looking to say, God, how can I get on this now? What do I need to do right now to get there? Amen? All right. And he says, does not delay the process of transformation, but purifies himself or herself. Now, becoming like Christ or God, remember Christ is God, begins now. Amen? All right. In other words, it should be our desire to put to use everything that we've discovered immediately. Not just because of the glorious future that lies before us, but because of the promise made by Jesus. Listen, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, where he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, this is Matthew 5, 8, for they shall see God. Wow. Listen to me. There are going to be some people on this side of eternity before they die. Okay? That's a nice way of putting that. All right? On this side of eternity, that are going to be pure at heart. They are going to see God. And what's the promise in First John 3, 2? When we see him, we'll become like him. Hallelujah. So there is the possibility, and I pray that all of you have this opportunity, to get to the place where you have a pure heart before God. I'm not saying that you're perfect. I'm saying that you're pure in that if ever you make a mistake, you just immediately say to God, sorry God, I messed up. That you don't wait one second, you don't try to defend yourself, you don't try to justify what you did, you just immediately say, I'm sorry God, I'm sorry for for thinking that. And usually that's where it starts. If you can get rid of your sin in your mind, then it will never manifest in your body. Can I say that? Get rid of it up here. It will never manifest down here. It needs time to get out here, by the way. Okay? So, if we can deal with it in that way, if we can deal with what's going on on the inside of us, which is what Jesus is talking about, heart motives. All right? He says, if you can do that, listen to me. You can get to a place where you become pure before God because There is no time between the time you do something wrong and you repent immediately. Like you just go, I did that wrong. I'm sorry. That's the end of it. The devil has nothing to play with. Hear me. Remember, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9. Okay. There's nothing left behind. So you remain pure before God. Get it? And you stay that way, family. You see him. You see him. You become like him. Oh, hallelujah. And I believe that's when something miraculous is going to take place. And I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. Before we get to that, let me say this one more thing. We need a certain mindset to get there. Because one of the biggest things that holds us back is our memories. The way we were. That sounds like a song, doesn't it? Anyway, (laughs) memories. Okay, remember that one? Okay, yes. All right. Don't let that hold you back. The Apostle Paul, remember he, remember he was the one that caused the death of Stephen. Do you remember that? Okay, when they finished stoning, remember they all came and put their coats at a young man's feet named Saul. Remember? And so you can just imagine the guilt that he was carrying around. 
But then he's the one that wrote 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we are new creations. All things have passed away and behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. Remember that? He, he, he got a revelation of the new birth. Amen. And you know how he got to that place in receiving that revelation? He realized that this, the person that did that died on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Lord, who are you? As soon as he said, Lord, you know, remember, if you confess Jesus, Lord, you're saved. That one word got him saved, (laughs) okay? And so he realized that he was a new creation, that all of that stuff wasn't his anymore. So he could press towards something, and this is what he writes in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He says in verse 14, Philippians 3, 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He said, listen, it is a press. It takes effort. But I've learned something. I've got to let go of the past. And I need to push forward into the future. Into the future that God has for me. Amen. And the only way I'm going to ever get there is if I let go of everything behind. All things have passed away and I need to allow them to pass away. And I need to allow all things to become new. And all the things that are of God to be that way in my life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. It is at this time that I believe that what Jesus said in John 14, 12 will begin to come to pass. And that is most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Are you beginning to see this now? We need to learn to forget those things in the past. We need to learn how to reach forward to those things which are ahead. Pressing toward that upward call of God. And in this case, divine purity. Amen? And then we'll begin to progress toward that purity that the Apostle John says, just as he is pure. Not a false purity, a true purity. And something will begin to happen in our lives the glory of God will begin to shine through. Amen. Yeah, you. If ever you think you're not worthy, think about Peter, James, and John. Okay? They were as rough as you can get. They were fishermen, man. I mean, these weren't scholars. These were fishermen. And when they got a hook stuck in their thumb, they didn't say nice things. Can I just say that? Okay, alright. So I'm just saying, don't exclude yourself. Don't allow paintings and religious things to, to, to push you away from what God has planned and destined for you. Amen? Wherever you're coming from, your future is to be just like Him. And it is for every single one of us. Regardless of what the religious world says, it is for every single one of us. Do you hear me? So don't look at your neighbor and see how he's going or she's going, okay? You look at yourself and you ask yourself, self, how am I going today? Am I taking another step towards this or am I taking a step away from it? And can I just say this? God doesn't expect you to change overnight. Thank you, Jesus. Okay? You take your time, but get there. One tiny step at a time, get there. 
And like I said, you know, even if you make, you know, one change, even one change a month, you know, forget about a week, one change a month, in a year you'll have made 12 changes in your life. And trust me, people will notice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it all begins, as we conclude, with the revelation that we've discovered in the first, discovered in the first three verses of 1 John chapter 3. And I'm reading this for the last time. Hallelujah. Because when we come back next time, we'll go on to verse 4. Verses 4 through 10 is a whole nother revelation. It's something tremendous. And you guys will be really blessed. I would suggest don't read ahead. Because you don't have the information to do so. After I teach you the first lesson, then begin to read ahead. And it will bless you. Okay? Otherwise, it can really condemn you. Uh, all because of one word. We didn't figure out one word. Okay? I'll give that to you next week. But reading this for the last time, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, he says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. In other words, it was God's love that caused us to be his kids. It wasn't us trying to get in. It was him trying his best to get us in. Amen? That's why no matter what we do, it takes a lot for us to get back out because it was his love that brought us in. Amen? And his love won't let us go just because we mess up here and there. Amen. Therefore, he says, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Verse 2, beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. I pray that you have an, a revelation of all of these verses now and some insight into them. And that you can actually walk these verses out in your life. Not just have knowledge in your head, but actually know how to use them. Because James says it's not the hearer, but the doer of the word that is blessed. Amen? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word, for all the wisdom, revelation, and inspiration.